There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Man. You can find me on Twitter at Amit underscore man. Please do rate, review, and subscribe. And on YouTube, Give us the old thumbs up and subscribe there as well. Today, we have a two-part podcast. First up, Savannah Hamilton of NBA TV Canada to look at the Bucks game last night. And then next up, Chase Hughes of NBC Washington to discuss and preview the Wizards and the game on Sunday. Here we go. All right, so joining me now is Savannah Hamilton of NBA TV Canada and host of Raptors Today. What is up? Love it. Thank you for having me. Nothing much, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm in living. Breathing, happy to see the Raptors get the win last night. How are you? It's been a minute since we've seen a win, it feels like. Even though that uh, Sacramento Kings win happened, um, it didn't really feel like it happened because like, oh yeah, we beat the Kings. Cool, but what else uh, yeah. What else have you done? And that Memphis Grizzlies win, that was superb. But then I think we're just in this kind of phase with this team where we're just like constantly wanting more because obviously of the record where things are. And uh, last night was encouraging, yeah. Giannis didn't play, and yeah, the Bucs were on a back-to-back, but a win is a win is a win. Remember who said that? The great Kyle yeah. Lowry, philosopher? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. No, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't dismiss this win at all. I know that they didn't have Giannis, so it's a much different team without him, but at the same time, we, or, you know, the Toronto Raptors, they didn't have OG Ananobi. So, and, and, yep. and that's a whole different team without, without him here. And so, you know, I don't take that away at all. And I'm sure we're going to dive into it. So let's go. <laughs> all right. Well, let's actually talk about that then. So uh, this game, I mean, I had a few different ups and downs to it. Uh, I mean, Fred Van had a terrific game. Pascal Siakam was pretty solid on both ends of the court. What was one of your biggest takeaways or tell all of them? What are your takeaways from this game? Oh, man, I think the Raptors, they they showed really great glimpses of how strong this team can be defensively. I think it's been an inconsistency throughout the season so far, but you know, games like these ones where you're playing against a team, an NBA championship team um, that is so disciplined in everything they do and knowing their role, it's really hard to defend that. It's really hard to defend a Drew Holiday, a Chris Middleton. Um, You know, that's why I say like without, Giannis you still have all the pieces there that are very much a high caliber team so defensive uh level of play on a consistent basis this game stood out to me I would say one of the biggest takeaways the other big takeaway was Scotty Barnes he had a great game I don't know if that was some fuel to the fire from earlier what what happened in the day I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit but um yeah absolutely I think uh you know he, he he really showed off his his basketball IQ and court vision. Um, yeah. That's something that I really take away from him as a player altogether, but this game really emphasized that. And if you didn't need, you needed a reminder, you got it from him last night. 
I mean, absolutely. The defensive end, like that's been an area that's been obviously laboring a little bit um, over the past few weeks, all season. Um, it's been up and down. Ken Burst not being here is a huge factor. He's one of the best rip protectors. But I mean, Preston Satua, we'll get to him in a second. He has been terrific on that end of the court. I mean, his rotations, the mistakes are still there. But when it comes just to like protecting the rim, he is monstrous at 6'9". He, he, his heart is 7'5", I swear to God, because he plays so big and his timing, his jumping, um, his poise when it comes to just taking on some of the biggest players in the NBA, he's like, no problem. Joel Embiid, no problem. Nikola Jokic, when, whenever that happens, I can do that because he's just okay with any challenge and he's not phased by the moment in that way. Um, so those are a couple of things that really stick out to me is just, uh, I guess, their ability to handle the situations that were presented to them. The Bucks, like you said, they are championship caliber. Like Their execution is pretty spot on and sure. I mean, they did miss a lot of open jumpers, and I'm sure some of that is because they were on a back-to-back. You know, that's still a thing in the NBA. I think some people tend to dismiss, like, back-to-backs a little bit because, oh, guys have so much rest, and there's off days. Yeah, but, I mean, their legs still probably aren't right. And, like, the game uh, the night before against the Hornets, it went to, like, 11 o'clock. They come into Toronto. Like, it's it's a lot to deal with. So I'm not trying to dismiss the Raptors' win because you play the games that are in front of you. But... um, the Bucks can, like you said, they can execute at a level that not many teams can. And they were doing that, and the Raptors are making the miss. And that can't be dismissed. I think their rotations were so much better. I find that they're they're doing a lot better job of staying home in some ways. Like, I think before they were so aggressive, yes. and it, that was to their detriment. And now I find that they're being a little bit more poised in those situations where I recall situations where like, you know, Svi or a Gary Trent, like they're helping in the right, in the right areas. Cause if you don't all kinds of lanes, right. For the other yeah. team, like now they just have all kinds of passing lanes to find their corner three point shooters to find their cutters. Yeah, absolutely. On that note, you know, it's called helping the helper where, you know, if one guy gets beat, the help side's there, but then you got to wonder who is covering the at home, who's staying at home. You guys like, it's the opposite rotation that now has to come over and protect the rim because, you know, uh, next man up, usually Precious Achua is actually covering whoever just got beat off the drive or who, whatever the case may be there. But you're right. Precious Achua, he's been phenomenal. And like, I think he does a lot of things that, um, he, he gets not enough credit for, and you're right. Taking on the biggest matchups on the court is one of them. Uh, he, he is undersized, but because of his athleticism and yeah. is uh, just not being afraid of being physical and really pushing these guys, like that definitely adds to uh, his strengths, I guess. And like, you know, looking at his stat line last night, he had six points, but he had eight rebounds, which is significant. Um, you know? And, and so sometimes you don't need the, uh, the big flashy numbers to, to really make that impact as we saw, see with Utah Watanabe, of course, but he also mm-hmm. makes pretty good plays. I think he knows when to cut. That's one yeah. thing about precious. Like he, we always see him like, Oh, look at him. He's on the backside of this play again, like cutting to the rim wide open or getting an alley-oop. Like he's getting himself mm-hmm. open off of screens and stuff like that. And like, I believe it was a play where um, Scotty Barnes read the defense on the weak side so well because one guy was turned around, which is not supposed to do in basketball. Um, he was <laughs> turned around and just burned him by passing it over his head to yeah. Precious, I believe, who then made the layup. And there's nobody on the on the backside. So um, I love seeing that dynamic. It goes to show once again Scotty's IQ level, but then also Precious reading the space and where to cut as well. And with Precious, like I think he wants to do well so badly. 
And you have to keep in mind, this is a sophomore year for him. And so he's still learning. Also, it's a new team, right? He was going from Miami. Now he's in Toronto. And I find in some cases, he's a bit in the way on offense because he is doing cutting and, and things like that. But really, they just need him to kind of do like a few simple things really well. And it's it can be challenging because when are you doing those things? But if it's simple, like to your screening, your rolling, you're chilling at the three-point line, you know, when you're, you're shot ready and you're chilling in the dunker spot. Like those are kind of the things that they need for him. But then you talk about the cutting and he does do great cuts sometimes. So it's yeah. kind of like really fine balance. And I think probably simplifying things a little bit for him. Um, I think Fred talked about this after the game too, is that they probably have to just get him to stick to the fundamentals when it comes to being a big, because he, yes, he is, he's got all kinds of potential and he's going to be able to show it in so many ways, you know, in the years to come, but now it's really important that they give space to Pascal and Fred and OG when he returns, because these are your best offensive players and Scotty, sorry, I'm not going to forget about Scotty. Scotty's incredible yeah. in those situations as well. Yeah. There's definitely a balance. You're totally right on that. There's a balance between um, finding space in the court as in, Hey, maybe you got to take a few steps out even of the, of the three point line, just so, you know, it spreads the court a little bit more for your yeah. other guys. And then there is the balance of knowing when to cut exactly and move around because guess what? On defense, it is so hard to, to guard a moving target. Like that's mm-hmm. actually how you get them tired too. So it, it, it's, it's the balance of when to give space for, you know, Pascal's and Scotty's and Fred's to really like hone in to ha- be, uh, you know, aggressive and drive it to the, to the hoop or to give space uh, or to, to be that guy yourself and, and read the play to make sure that you're cutting. But that's what Coach Nick Nurse is for. That's what he gets paid the big bucks to figure out. <laughs> that is true. And I'm sure he's going to be working on that. I think it was uh, a couple of days ago he was talking about, um, he was asking questions about, you know, some of the rules in the NBA. He's like, you know what, guys, like I got 114 problems. And honestly, the rules are not one of them right now. <laughs> and the guy <laughs> and the reporter, I think it was Eric Corrine, was like, all right, I'll get back to you when it's like 70. He's like, ah. Yeah, let's do that. Or maybe like even a little bit lower. Maybe <laughs> there are a lot of things he's trying to work out right now with this team. Obviously, some healthy bodies would help. And it seems like, you know, OG and Cam, like we don't know when they're going to come back, but at least it's not going to be long term for either of them. And get, getting Gary back, he didn't have a great shooting game, but his presence on the defensive end, as we're talking about, like he's leading the league in deflections, I think, up there in steals, loose balls are covered. His, his gravity on that end of the court is, is obvious. You mentioned Scotty and Scotty. Yeah, his basketball IQ is incredible. And um, before the game, as we found out, Giannis is not playing. And so who's going to guard Chris Middleton? And he said in the locker room, he's like, I am going to guard Chris Middleton and I'm going to guard him hard. And he absolutely did. Middleton shot eight of 20 and Scotty was all over him. He did a great job. Yeah, no, Scotty is, it just goes to show like, I mean, this is now officially the Scotty sponsorship uh, podcast <laughs> recording. Um, <laughs> There's enough I- sponsorships, Jesus. Popeyes. Right? I, I don't think there's enough that we could say about how talented he is. The guy's only 20 years old and he only turned 20 in this past summer. So really he's still yeah. 19 in my mind. And yet he's <laughs> raising his hand to guard. Like I, I say, arguably the next best player on the team after Giannis and yeah. without, without even batting an eye at it and doing a great job and not just, a, you know, not just saying it, he, he's doing it. And I think that's goes to show you the type of player that Masai and Bobby Webster really put into drafting him uh, all the thought in the, in the workout process. And, 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 you know, remember when all the Raptors fans wanted Jalen Suggs? Remember that? I remember. We all <laughs> Isn't remember. It, it's a great, th- I think it's a great time to be appreciative of Scotty Barnes because they drafted him for that reason, because yes, he has that body type of being strong and versatile and long, and he could 
guard these guys that are big. The NBA is big. Like we yeah. didn't necessarily need a point guard. You know, we have Fred Van Vliet, you know, we have Malachi, even though Malachi is, you know, more or less seeing the floor right now. Um, and so I think they just wanted another solid defender and somebody who was hungry too. Right. And had a great attitude. So what a great scout on, on Scotty to draft him where we did, but um, it, it's paying off as we see, cause you know, he does it with a smile too. He does it with, he, he's not too cool for anybody. He does it with a smile. You see him fall down. <laughs> yeah, I did. I asked him about it yesterday, actually. Yeah. I asked him that. He's just like, ah, I, I don't know. What, I don't know what happened. I'm not sure what happened. Yeah. He's, he's so quiet in those pressers. Like he's like, you see him on the court and then you see his personality when it comes to the scrums and it's like polar different, different people. Like he looks really, yeah. he looks like OG during press yeah. conferences because he doesn't say a word, but you see him on the court, you see his energy. And I, I mean, I don't mind players being like that. They can reserve their personality for their, their family and friends and stuff like that. But I would like to see some a little bit maybe in scrums, right? I, I think he's new. I think he's young. I like, yeah, you know, know, media day, I had the chance to sit down and talk to him. And he was like, just like, it felt like he was a ball of nerves to be honest. Um, just cause it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And like, he doesn't know us media yet. Um, yeah. And so I think what he, like, watch it. Just watch. I'm going to call this right now. Next season, we're going to see all the personality come out. We're going to see a it. A declaration on the Raptors. I'm going to see it. By Savannah Hamilton. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to it. Um, he even actually uh, he gave Chris Middleton to work a little bit in the post. Yeah. I remember that possession. He uh, dribbles and he hit a fadeaway jumper on him. I saw that. And uh, it's more like we're just keep on seeing him improve his offensive game and one of the shortcomings that we were perceived he wasn't a polished offensive talent yet and that there was still a lot of room for him to grow on that side and then look at him like now he's shooting threes and that's something that Nick Nurse has asked him to do and he was clearly working on it over the course of you know since the day he was drafted actually he's been working on this Mm -hmm. and now he's like (laughs) he's not just okay like he's pretty good actually he's pretty good at shooting threes when it's wide open like there's a a decent chance it's going to go in and it's opening the floor for everyone and now we're kind of seeing the vision of the Raptors offense is like, let's overwhelm you with our size. Whoever has a mismatch between OG, Pascal and Scotty, we're going to put that person in the paint and they're going to double and we're going to kick it out and we're going to hit threes and good luck guarding us. Yep. Absolutely. No, it's funny because I remember when the scouting reports and, and a lot of Toronto media were saying, ah, oh, Scotty can't shoot threes. He can't shoot threes. And I was thinking, you know how young this guy is? Like, he has a lot of time. You guys yeah. are writing him off as if he's Ben Simmons already. Like, yeah. he has a lot of time to get a shot. Like, that is the mm-hmm. last of my worries. Because shot is just, like, it's just a matter of reps. It's just it's a skill that you can learn um, and, and, and just getting into the gym. So depending on how hungry you are to, to, to learn and to develop that part of your game, it's going to inevitably happen. And yeah. so now we're seeing kind of, like, the fruits of his labor, I guess, pay off. Um, from his work in the off season, from the moment he was drafted, as you mentioned, to now. And so to be honest, when people are like, oh, he's shooting threes, I'm like, I'm not surprised. Like, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and they said the same thing to Precious, which I think, by the way, it's like the best thing a coach can say is just not limiting their players and not putting them in a, oh, you're a big, live in the post. Like we yeah. see this with, and obviously Boucher, he's had to rein it in a little bit because of the threes is not dropping for him this season so far, but um, I still don't mind him taking the odd open three if it's there, if it's in time, if it's in rhythm and, and in the space. So I'm happy that he said, because you know what would drive us all crazy is if Scotty Barnes was wide open on the three 
and he didn't have a shot to take it, or he just thought he couldn't yeah. take it or his, exactly. his, you know, looking over your shoulder, like, is it okay if I take the shot? Like that's, what's <laughs> going to make you miss more than anything. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I love that the Raptors organization in, encouraged their bigs and their players to take the open shot when it's available, regardless of how far it is. So we talked about the defense rotations are getting better. Um, they're not making as many mistakes. They're staying home, home a little bit more. We talked about Scotty Barnes, just how incredible he's going to be this year in four years. I get goosebumps thinking about how good he's going to be in five years. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We talk about Fred Van Vliet because he was, um, it was a, it was a masterclass game from him from the first half to the second half. In the first half, you're going to face guard me. Okay. I'm going to find my teammates. Second half, they made some adjustments. Now he's getting off ball. Now he's running uh, Drew Holiday and other bucks through screens and he's hitting jumpers. And then down the stretch, he's like, it's my time now. Yeah. Get out the way. Here we go. Class is in session. Everyone arrive on time. Let's go. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. Like it was beautiful. Yeah. And we also, we all heard about the end of the game with like, I think it was like 0.7 seconds left, like on the, on the clock, like 0.7. Um, yeah. and he, he, he goes to everybody, he gets everybody. And he's like, don't effing move. Like, <laughs> like yells at it. You can see this like, like mouth it. And then, and it's like, all the guys are like, just like nodding their heads. Like, okay. And also like, how many times have we seen it with, uh, the quote that came out, I believe yesterday with Utah being like, you know, when I mess up Fred Van Vliet, like he calls me out and I listen to him. No, he cusses um, so, him. He cusses, he him, cusses out. him out. Cusses him out, right. <laughs> Not calls, cusses. Yo, if, I, if someone cussed me out on the court, I'd be like, bruh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be nice, yo. Still be nice. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's one thing that Fred Van Vliet has developed in his game is his leadership. And, sure. you know, he wasn't able to express that as much because there was a leader last year uh, in Kyle Lowry. So now that we're seeing this and him coming to his own and what leadership looks like to him, he's doing mm -hmm. nothing but, I think, a really great job. And don't get me wrong, like, it's still a learning curve for him. I'm sure he's going to have some ups and downs and within his own style of play and, and what he needs to vocalize to the guys and when to be vocal, when to be silent, let, when to, like, also yeah. let them work it through themselves. Because these guys are all grown men and they're all smart. So they, they know what, what is going wrong or, or they know, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a matter of like, okay, I don't know how to fix it, but I know what's happening here. Um, mm -hmm. And so when to step in and, and when to, to be quiet, but yeah, he also like how many times this season, have we seen him put the team on his back and really carry this team to the finish line of some of these games, man. Like yeah. this guy literally has the most minutes played and most miles ran per game in the league. <laughs> And you have, and he, and unfortunately, I love that stat too. Right? <laughs> and, and he it, knows and this, it too. He tells everyone, he's like, yeah, I lead the league and Miles ran per game. So you guys, yeah. he's like, cardio's great. <laughs> yeah. Cardio's all good. Actually, who's, who leads the league in, in Miles ran on the defensive end? I think, I think it's actually Scotty Barnes. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not, I can't, yeah. See, like, these type of numbers are not surprising with this Raptors team no. and the way they play. And how like, you know, like they're, they're still a pretty quick team and they move really fast. Like sometimes I'm like, slow the game down a little bit guys, but other sure. times like, they're just like, bang, 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 bang. So I can't be too surprised with, with that, uh, with those numbers of stats. But yeah, I think Fred Van Vliet, like he's been doing a tremendous job and we just saw it again last night. No doubt about it. And I look at the Raptors defense as we close up uh, the discussion with Savannah here is that um, I find that when they're running around or scrambling too much, that's when things are kind of going array that they've missed a yeah. rotation somewhere. But 
yesterday, yeah. I found that they were really composed and that there wasn't as much scrambling happening. And that's because they were making the proper decisions and that, you know, when, you know, there was a cut baseline or if there was a drive towards the bucket, like they weren't overcommitting, they were, the right players are making the moves at the right time. And when that's happening, now you're really seeing this defense kind of come to life a little bit and the length is taking over. Um, and yeah. we got to keep on seeing that from them. Fred mentioned the other day that, uh, you know, in those film sessions, when they're looking at defense, they're not, you know, they're not really pampering players. They're calling them out. They're saying names because they want this fixed. Not yesterday. They want it fixed. Now they do want to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They want this to happen. This is just a bit of a slow start for them. And there's a lot of new players. We're being told that we got to give it time. We got to give Pascal time. We got to give the defense time. We got to get them healthy. And then maybe few months down the road, February comes around, maybe the Raptors are actually in a, in a good spot and we're going to be laughing at the phase that we went through. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I don't think because I don't know, people are, it's a quarter way through the season, just past it now. And people are like, do we tank? And I'm like, that's such a hot take because also taking never works. Like, look at the Kings. No. <laughs> like, like when, when does it take it for years? Really, really, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like it, and you don't, you can't like you can't put all your money on a draft pick like that. You only get lucky with draft picks once in a while, like we like we did with Scotty Barnes, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, the, I think this team is when they get healthy, when everybody is on the court together, uh, I think they're going to make a pretty good midseason run here. I, I I do feel like they 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 have the ability to and make that playoff push. And also the way that the rap the NBA is now structured with the new play in tournament, like. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to at least get into the play-in. If they want to. I wonder if it's still playing for what? Is Masai still playing? (laughs) Masai, what he said last year during his uh, his end of season, playing for what? Oh, Oh. I wonder if he still has that take on it. Or maybe this is a different season and that he wants to give everyone a bit more experience in the playoffs. I wonder what Masai's stance on it. You never get to talk to him anymore, unfortunately. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Well, let's see if we can ask him that next time we see him. You should put it on your, uh, your list. You talked to Scotty already. Oh, well. I'm sure you're going to talk to more players on Raptors today. Uh, Savannah Hamilton, thank you so much for joining me. Much appreciated. You can catch her on NBA TV Canada, Raptors today, and just doing all kinds of fun things. And she's extremely talented. So much appreciated. Appreciate you, Amit. Thank you for having me. All right. So game three against the Washington Wizards is on Sunday. The Raptors won one. The Wizards won the other one. And now to discuss the third matchup, it is Chase Hughes of NBC Washington. Sir, we are wearing the exact same shade of green. This has not happened yet. Wow. The exact same shade, too. There's many types of green. We have the exact same one. It's almost like we took that icon in Photoshop and just copied it. And it was precise, too. Um, It's a nice shade, though. It's uh, I think it's the best shade of green, to be honest with you. Me. I would say that too. Uh, maybe the the shade of money, uh, the shade shade of green that money is in in America uh, would be preferable. But this is up there. Yeah, man, we don't got that uh, same shade of for our, for our co- for our money over here. We have uh, funny money. That's what they call it, right? We got some <laughs> reds, some blues, some purple, all that fun stuff with the Washington Wizards. Okay, so since last time we saw you, uh, you lost that game, and then you won five games in a row, and then. Went on a bit of a losing streak, and now you've won three of your last four games. So I guess since the last time we've seen you, Chase, or seen the Wizards, I guess you're part of the team too, what's changed about this team? I think the defense hasn't been as consistent as it was early this season. You know, they got off to a really good start, 10-3. and three. It was their best start uh, in decades. 
um, because they had one of the top defenses in the NBA. I mean, they peaked with the top five defense based on defensive rating. They've been really good all year at defensive rebounding, uh, defending the three-point line. They've been one of the best three-point yeah. defenses. Uh, but lately, it's just been inconsistent. Um, we've only seen them sort of lock down and have uh, really good defensive quarters at a time, sometimes a half. You know, recently they beat the Dallas Mavericks. They gave up 69 points in the first half and then 45 in the second half, and they were able to win that game. Another game recently, they played the Timberwolves. They gave up 88 points in the first three quarters. Then they locked down and only allowed 19 in the fourth. So I think consistency is something that's eluded them recently, and yeah. it's just sort of shrunk their margin for error because they have not been the greatest offensive team at the same time. Now, at least you're not the OKC Thunder. You saw what happened last yesterday. <laughs> yeah. That was embarrassing. And all part of the plan, it seems like. <laughs> I don't know what's with, with that uh, franchise. Sam Presti, at some point, you should just start winning games, just like prioritize it. I don't know. It doesn't always have to be a tank a tankathon. I know. It's it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm not a big fan of tanking. And you see, like, even a GM like Sam Presti, I think everyone agrees is a good GM, has to yeah. wear losses like this. I, I saw that they now have, because of last year, they have the worst home loss and the worst away loss uh, in NBA history. And, yeah, maybe it'll lead to, like, them having a good team but that's always going to be tied to his legacy. And like, I mean, you got Shea over there. We love Shea up here in, in, in good old Canada. And uh, you got a, a star here, a superstar, a budding superstar. And he's just chilling there, losing games like this while being one of the best offensive players or most versatile offensive players in the NBA. I don't get it. I mean, at some point you just have to start changing things around, change the culture. You went through your phase with KD and Russ and in that period of time. And now obviously you do want to start winning games at some point in your franchise's career, but uh, or going forward, but yeah, maybe just change it up a little bit. It's, it's time, Sam, it's time to put the foot on the gas and start to win some games. Yeah. Uh, I guess speaking of GM's name, Sam, like Sam Hinkie, obviously uh, it's led to some good things in Philly, but you know, he yeah. literally built like the worst basketball team I've ever seen in my life. Like before they got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, like they, they put out teams that are, I'm still embarrassed to have like actually watched in person at games. Yeah. And like, that's, that's part of your record and part of your legacy. Uh, you know, the Thunder, I love SGA. I think he's going to be an all-star, multiple time all-star in his career. Josh sure. Giddy's a really impressive rookie, Lou Dort. Um, but you also wonder, I think you alluded to this. It's just like you build a losing culture. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, how do you just kind of snap out of that? It's not easy to do. It's a great point. And with the 76ers, like you, you could argue that maybe the, the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid combination hasn't really worked that well. I mean, we see where they are now. And obviously two extremely talented players 
Joel Embiid going to be probably one of the best bigs of this era. But with Ben Simmons, like the, the misfit was obvious from the get-go. And we have seen over the course of their years in the playoffs that it does end up biting them in the ass. At some point, it does. Absolutely. And look, I, I could do a whole podcast on this. I have really strong <laughs> feelings about tanking in general. And yeah. I just find it so amusing that the Philadelphia 76ers began the process because they were one of those middling teams that couldn't get out of the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Here they are, all those draft picks later, all those trades later, and they still can't get out of the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> Poor 76ers. I mean, we uh, <laughs> up here in Toronto, we, uh, we know what we did to them. That, yeah, if, right. If, they got if, close, as you know very well. Hey, man, if, if if that shot doesn't go down and if that goes to overtime, the 76ers win that game, they very well win the NBA championship. And I think they think about it every single day. Um, unfortunate, sad, if you will. Anyways, um, with the with the Wizards, I, I find Daniel Gafford one of the more fascinating players on their team because you look at him, just what he is. Like, he is so physically huge. He is just an athletic specimen. And then you find that sometimes he kind of fades away in games. Sometimes his, his influence isn't always there game by game. He's had a bit of a right hand issue, I believe. So he's been ramping up his action. But over his past four games or so, like you're seeing the tools and you're seeing his influence on both ends of the court come through. I'm a huge fan of Daniel Gafford's game. I mean, he's only 22 years old. They just gave him a contract extension uh, before the season that'll take him through his age 27 season. And I think by then, or perhaps very soon, it's going to look like a bargain. I mean, he's the total package. Um, he's young. He's very athletic. Um, he's coachable. Uh, he's humble. Uh, he really, really tries hard and wants to get better. I think he's a very hard worker. Um, so it's like he checks off every single box that you would want for a player to reach their full potential. And when you watch him, you can see that potential is very, very high. I mean, he's a super athlete. He's 6'10". Um, he can jump with the best of them. Um, he's got incredible instincts uh, and timing around the rim, blocking mm -hmm. shots. The other night, he, he blocked eight shots in a game. Jeez. He had two quarters in the same game where he Jeez. blocked three shots. He had at least a block in all four quarters. Uh, it's incredible. The dunks that he throws down. Uh, but it's not just blocking shots. I mean, in recent weeks, we've seen him face up with Carl Anthony Towns and Giannis. Uh, two of you know the most unicorny unicorns in the NBA. And those guys tried to drive past him. And he uh, stepped with them step for step, uh, stride for stride, and blocked him at the rim. Um, he's the type of guy who can guard uh, you know players like that. He can also switch on to smaller players. Um, I've seen him have some success against guards in space. Um, I think he's a guy who has the potential to, to make some all-defense teams in the future. And if he continues to round out his offensive game, you know, it's, it, it remains pretty raw. He doesn't have an outside shot. He's never even attempted a three. But if he can mm -hmm. um, round out his post game a little bit, um, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. Um, he's, a, he's a fantastic player and a guy that the Wizards have needed for a long, long time. And it's just incredible when you look back at that trade. They really didn't give up much at all to the Chicago Bulls to get him. Yeah, and uh, that teachability of a, of a rookie or a young player is so important. We're seeing it in Toronto. Then when you have players that are, just want to get better and they want to do what they got to do to help the team win, um, Scotty Barnes is exactly that. He was asked to start shooting threes. He wasn't always comfortable shooting threes in his NBA career, and he started to do it. And now, you know, past three or four games, he's like unleashing five or six per game, and he's making three or four of them. Um, it's been yeah, players like this, like they're rare. And one part of drafting is like the, 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 the talent and the other part is the personality and the person that they are. And you're drafting that as well. And some franchises don't prioritize that maybe as much as they should do. But uh, Daniel Gafford didn't cost too much to get him. And it's working out very, very well. Another player, Danny Abdia, 
isolation defense, his presence on the court. He's massive. He's got quicker feet than you would think for a guy that that size. What, what are your thoughts on him so far? He's been really impressive this year. I mean, he's only 20 years old. He was the ninth overall pick uh, just about a year ago. Remember, you know, the draft was in November, so he's only been in the NBA for like a calendar year. He hasn't played a full 82 games. And yeah. the defense is what stood out uh, the most. It's interesting because uh, when he was drafted, you know, going into that that draft, um, he was considered uh, one of the best prospects in the class. Um, and he was billed as kind of an offensive player. And I remember watching his games in the EuroLeague because um, I, I put together some mock drafts for NBC. And, mm-hmm. you know, his offensive skill set just really stood out. At 6'9", he had terrific speed and control uh, with the ball in his hands, particularly in transition. Um, great court vision for a guy his size, uh, type of guy who could be a point forward. I didn't really see the defense as much as I'm seeing now. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, in the Euro League, he didn't block very many shots. Now he's the second best rim protector on the team in terms of blocks and, and blocks per 36 minutes, only to Daniel Gafford. Um, and if you look at isolation numbers, you know, defensive field goal percentage, um, how opponents shoot uh, field goal percentage wise uh, against him when they're guarded by him compared to their season sure. averages. You know, he's been one of the best defenders in the league. I mean, a top 20, top 15 guy in isolation. He's been really good at pick and rolls. Uh, we've seen him take on some really tough defensive assignments and pass mm-hmm. them with flying colors. You know, last year he showed some flashes defensively, uh, but he had a lot of trouble uh, staying out of foul trouble. He would stay vertical and guys would just kind of bump into him and get the calls. Well, they're calling fouls very differently this year, right? And I think that's worked sure. in his favor. Also, just having one year of experience under his belt. Um, Denny Abdi is a, a smart player. Um, he, he has good instincts defensively. He's got quick feet, like you said, and he's got good size. Um, and I think he's uh, ro- risen to a lot of challenges this season defensively. You know, much more experienced players, bigger players, shorter, quicker mm-hmm. players. He's versatile. He's tough. Um, and for a guy at 20 years old to be figuring it out like this defensively, I think that's pretty rare. And it really, I think, raises the ceiling for him because we all know that the potential is there for him to be a pretty good scorer, too. Yeah. And what the players we're talking about, like Daniel Gaffrey, Danny Abia, like these are young players in that trade that uh, with the Lakers that went down, um, they got a lot of uh, they got a lot of now players in that trade. And you look at this team now um, from top to tail, like you got a decent top nine. Like not a bad one at all. And players that you can throw out there, and you're pretty confident in doing that with the Raptors right now. Um, their bench is a bit in flux. Obviously, they have some health issues, but they're not getting consistent production, obviously, because some of the players are a little bit younger. But with the Wizards, all the players that they got in that trade, now they're in a position where like, okay, we have a foundation here that is pretty solid. And I mean, Wes Unsell Jr., he's really implemented an interesting strategy here. And it seems like that the players are really buying into it. What have you seen or what's different from, from what he's offered uh, this season compared to previous seasons? Well, I think big picture, uh, you know, they're just off to a good start. They haven't been off to a good start in a long time. Usually they kind of dig themselves a hole early on. They have to um, get out of it. Uh, yeah. I think the depth that they built this offseason has really um, been a big reason for that, but also just the structure that he's built. I think they're more consistently competitive from night to night. They've had a few letdowns. You know, the other night they lost uh, to the Pelicans in New Orleans. They got beat pretty bad. Um, they also lost to the Spurs. They kind of got beat pretty bad, like, badly by them. Those two, two aren't very good teams. Um, but for the most part, they've, um, they've been just as good against the bad teams as they have been against the good teams. And in, in years past, mm-hmm. they've kind of played up and down to their opponents. Um, I think the two biggest areas that uh, we've seen major changes for them are three-point defense. Uh, they're much better defending the perimeter than they have been in years past. And then also in pace. You know, they were number one in pace last year. And this year, they're 24th. Um, and Wes Unsell Jr., 
has sort of shared his detailed philosophy on pace with us. And it's really interesting. Um, he does not believe that pace correlates to wins. Um, you know, last year when they had Russell Westbrook just kind of flying up and down the court, uh, they played very fast with John Wall before that. They're a very, very fast team. Now they're more methodical and they try to be more efficient possession to possession. And they don't, uh, you know, they don't really like crash the, 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 the glass like they would in the past or try to get out in transition. It's subtle things sure. like that. But also he believes in pace more so in the half court. He wants ball movement and body movement. And I think the Wizards have improved in that regard. And I think that it's a reason why, for the most part, they've been a more efficient team this season. Well, the Raptors, they want to keep on playing faster and faster and faster. The Wizards are like, oh, let's play a little bit slower. They, uh, they, don't, <laughs> shoot the, they don't shoot the three ball too well. Um, that's something that could probably improve for the Wizards. I mean, that's a bit of personnel. Obviously, Davis Bertans was ice cold for a long time, and he had a, a decent game against the Tipper Wolves. He hit three threes. So now you look at this, <clears throat> what this team is, and around Bradley Beal, you have a, a pretty decent uh, pretty decent roster and going forward, and we know that he is a, a free agent or he has a player option, right, uh, after this season? Yeah, he does. Um, and, you know, the Wizards have offered him a contract extension. They were able to do that uh, beginning on October 1st. And they made the offer, and it's sort of an open-ended thing. You know, last time uh, we were all looking at sort of the max money and the max years that he could earn, and he decided to take a one-plus-one and sort of set himself up for this upcoming summer, which is he'll have 10 years of experience. He can get a designated player extension, which is essentially a super max, and get one of the biggest contracts in NBA history. And that seems to be what he's kind of eyeing right now. I mean, he can make a ton of money. It's something like five years, $250 You know, see what the cap ends up being. Uh, but he's going to make like 45 million plus a year starting out. And that's going to scale mm-hmm. up into the fifties. So he's going to get um, an enormous deal and he can sign with more money with the wizards than he can with another team. Um, but it has kind of created this storyline that's more so in the background now because they're winning. I think if they had gotten off to a poor start, then it would really permeate uh, what they're doing yeah. right now. There'd be a lot more trade speculation, which is something he's no stranger to. Um, I think now that they're winning, that's sort of cooled down <laughs> amazingly because there's more contract uncertainty than there has been in the past. But it's really as simple as if your team's winning, then no one's really worrying about your future. Um, I-, I think the Wizards are still in pretty good shape to sign him. I don't know why he would want to leave at this point. You know, he's 28 years old. Um, he can take the biggest contract in NBA history if that's what it amounts to and then change yeah. his mind two, three years down the road once he enters his 30s. Right. He can say, OK, well, we're still not winning. I can go elsewhere and he'll have the money. Um, Mm -hmm. also they've kind of given him exactly what he wanted. Um, he said over and over, you know, both on the record and off that he wants to win here. He wants to end his career with the wizards. He just wants a team around him that can help him do that. And I think they've built a team that complements his skill set perfectly. They don't ask him to do nearly as much as he used to have to do both on offense and defense. You know, we haven't really seen the uh, benefits of that offensively yet. Um, his shooting percentages are down. He's not closing yeah. games like I thought he would if they built this type of situation for him. I think all that will come. Um, but defensively, he's had a much better year so far, for the most part, than he has in years past. And I think it's because he doesn't have to expend as much energy carrying the offensive load. He doesn't have to score 30 points for them to win. Um, and also, if he has an off night, uh, you know, scores. there's been games where he scores 17 points and shoots terribly. They still win. Uh, when he's out of the lineup, they've shown an ability to still win. Um, so they don't need him as much as they used to in the past. But I think they still obviously would like to sign him because they know that, uh, you know, the way to actually contend for, cha- contend for championships, you have to have star players and they've got one. Uh, I don't think they want to, you know, go down to zero stars and then try to move forward. They want to find another star probably, I- I'm assuming at some point, to pair with him. 
And Spencer Dinwiddie has been playing like a star a little bit. You talk about uh, being able to win games when Bradley Beal isn't exactly, you know, his his A-plus self. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie has been a big part of that. Uh, they took a chance on him um, after his uh, his ACL injury. Uh, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of questions about what he was going to be and how it was going to impact the rest of his career. But as we know, with current medicine and health and uh, the rehabbing of injuries, I mean, look at Kevin Durant. Uh, things are very different now. And he's looked terrific. Winning games right now, um, especially when it comes to luring free agents is so important. And as you mentioned, you know, Bradley Beal is no longer in trade machines as much as he used to be. Those things were like every single day you were seeing another possibility. There were rumors around the Raptors too. He would say a comment about like, oh, the Raptors, like, yeah, they're a good franchise. And all of a sudden that would go gangbusters. Those things are not existing anymore. And um, I, I'm encouraged by what they're, what they're building there. Uh, it's good for the NBA that the Washington Wizards are kind of back to being relevant in the NBA. And Montrezl Hill, like a player that was kind of been a bit of a journeyman for the past few seasons because he just couldn't find a home. And he seems so happy with the, with the Wizards right now. He's made a huge impact too. Yeah, there's been great vibes around the Wizards for the first time, at least at this point in the season, in, in quite a while. I mean, like yeah. I said, usually they get off to terrible starts. Even in 2016-17, when they won 49 games, their most since 1979, they were 2-8 and eight to begin that year. And they had to go on like a 22-game home, stre- home winning streak uh, to get to 49 wins. Um, yeah, a, a lot of things are working out for the Wizards right now. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think for the most part, has been really good, particularly coming back from the ACL injury. You know, his numbers aren't where they were two years ago, volume-wise. Um, but he's rebounding like he never has before. He's shooting a higher percentage. Um, mm-hmm. He's not getting to the free throw line as much as he did, but I think all that stuff will come uh, the more he feels confident sort of uh, uh, with his first step and attacking the rim. But he's been really good late in games, as you mentioned. You know, his splits uh, between the first three quarters and the fourth quarter, it's pretty incredible how much better he's been in the fourth quarter. He's been one of the most clutch players in the NBA this season. Yeah. Um, Montrezl Harrell's arguably been their best player. He's been in double figures all but one game this year. Uh, he's also rebounding. Uh, with one of the best seasons he's ever had uh, shoots a really high percentage. You know, he makes almost 70% of his shots uh, just their most consistent player. He's played in every game, um, even though he's been banged up um, and he's just been kind of the, the beating heart of this team. I mean, the energy sure. and the effort he brings every night uh, it, it's, it's infectious. And I don't think I've ever seen a player uh, become a fan favorite as quickly as he has, you know, he really has embraced <laughs> uh, this fan base. I think a lot of it has to do. And he said this many times before, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's playing close to home. You know, he's from North Carolina, just over the border from Virginia, and he, he played some of his high school ball in Virginia. Um, he spent his entire career previous to this in the Western Conference. He was in Houston. Mm-hmm. He was in, uh, playing in L.A. with both uh, L.A. teams. Now he's on the East Coast. He drives home uh, on off days. He's got family that comes to games. He had an, his AAU team at a game recently. Um, he has said before, he feels like he's playing in his backyard. And I think he's really connected with DC fans because he feels like uh, he's from the same part of the country that they're from. Um, and he has a lot in common with the people that root for this team. So it's just been really cool to see that connection develop so quickly. So moving to the game on Sunday, what are some things that you're looking for against the, the Raptors and matchup number three? Well, I think, uh, first of all, you know, when two teams are tied 1-1 and they're both in the Eastern Conference playoff picture, uh, certainly the, the season series is something to watch. You know, whoever wins this game uh, is going to take a, a lead in that regard. And, you know, that might come in handy if you take a 3-1 um, advantage in the season series and you tie with the, the same record. Uh, at the end of the season, then it'll help you with playoff seating might yeah. uh, give you home court. We'll see. 
Um, but in terms of that game specifically, I would say turnovers. You know, the Raptors are really good at winning the turnover battle on both ends of the floor, and they're really good at turning turnovers into points. And the Wizards at the beginning of the season were really good at protecting the ball, but they've had a lot of trouble with that lately. And some of their losses have been directly tied to them just turning the ball over and the other team taking advantage. So uh, I, I don't think they're going to want to, I think they're going to be in trouble if they turn the ball over and they let the Raptors get out in transition. Um, and I don't think they've played Pascal Siakam yet. Uh, he, he was hurt earlier in the year, I, I know. Um, so we'll see what the personnel looks like comparative to the, the previous games. But that's the thing that I'll be watching most is the turnover battle. Yeah, that's a big one. That's uh, something that the Raptors really try and enforce is creating turnovers and uh, getting out in transition. Um, I'm curious how Daniel Gafford influences this matchup. You mentioned um, his rim protection has been a problem. It was it was a problem against uh, the Raptors in game two. Um, well, did he play in both games? I think he did. I believe he did, yeah. Yeah, he did. So um, that was a huge issue, right? And the Raptors have struggled a little bit finishing around the rim. Pascal Siakam, um, they're still figuring out their spacing. Their spacing has been a bit of a problem over the past, uh, well, all season to some degree, but uh, moving Scotty Barnes more to the three-point line, he's actually hitting shots from out there. It's really opened the floor. And so I'm curious how, how the Wizards countered that because you know, before Scotty Barnes, he was like on the block. He was in the dunker spot. Now he's out at the three-point line and he's hit like, I think nine or 10 threes over his past three games. And that's been a huge difference maker. And then, you know, how are they going to approach that pick and roll with Fred Van Vliet? Because um, they do a, lot, a little bit of a uh, drop coverage and Fred loves drop coverage. He feasts on it. He eats on it. He's gotten 20 points per game when, when those situations are emerging for him. And so I'm curious how they approach it on, on that side. And then for the Raptors defensively, I mean, Gafford has been a problem for them. Like his size is just overwhelming. And, you know, Ken Birch, I don't think Ken Birch is going to be ready for Sunday. And the Raptors' size overall, they're, they're a pretty – they're small in, in the sense of not having seven-footers, but they have a lot of six-eight guys, obviously. So their team rebounding it was a lot better uh, yesterday – um, against the Bucks, but that does require everyone to be kind of locked into that side of the ball. They're one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the NBA, although by contrast, they are one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the NBA. So that battle is another thing I'm very curious about uh, how that uh, how that goes. Well, first of all, Scotty Barnes, I've been really impressed with seeing him in person. We saw him in the preseason and then, um, you know, again, in the, the regular season. Um, he's huge for a guy who, yeah. you know, is listed at 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, I mean, he's yeah. super built for a rookie um, and just his feel for the game stands out so much. He's going to you guys got a terrific player up there in, in Toronto. I think he's going to be um, a, a true star. Um, Fred Van Vliet has killed the Wizards for many, many years. Uh, you know, the, the Wizards are a better perimeter de de defensive team uh, than they yeah. have been. Um, but guys like um, Spencer Dinwiddie, Howell Neto, I think, you know, can match up with him pretty well physically. A uh, lot's going to fall on them. I wonder if, you know, maybe they switch Contavious Caldwell-Pope onto him. Uh, KCP mm -hmm. had a lot of success against John Morant, who's a smaller player. Um, and obviously an extremely athletic player, very quick. Um, KCP did a terrific job just sort of directing him into traffic. Um, yeah. So maybe he's someone who could have some success. Um, Daniel Gafford, of course, is going to be a key to this game. You know, he's played well against the Raptors, as you mentioned. And I think it's one of the, the few opportunities where the Wizards can take advantage of their size at, at, uh, against a, an opposing team. Because, you know, you mentioned the size of the Raptors. They don't have a single player over 6'9". Well, the Wizards don't have a single player over 6'10". And we've seen them get into some trouble uh, against uh, players like Jonas Valanciunas gave them um, you know, uh, a lot of trouble. They had some success against Giannis, uh, Steven Adams, yeah. some others. So, so it, it's been a little inconsistent, 
Uh, but that's something I'm going to watch throughout this season. You know, what, what happens when they play Joel Embiid, for instance. But against the Raptors, uh, they have the advantage. And Daniel Gafford, you know, generally the Wizards, I think, overwhelm teams with their quickness, um, you know, at, at that position. And then also their size at other positions, because like Denny Avdi and Kyle Kuzman can play the three and they're 6'9", 6'10". Davis Bertans is also 6'10". He can play uh, the three. Um, you know, Spencer Denwitty's a big point guard. He's 6'5", 6'6". Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's very large for that position. Um, but Daniel Gafford is going to be the biggest guy on the floor and he's, he's very, very athletic. So I think the wizards need to make sure that they um, they prevent the Raptors from getting offensive rebounds. Cause that's also been a problem for them recently. Second chance points and offensive mm-hmm. rebounds. The wizards are a really good defensive rebounding team. They just haven't been as consistent at it lately. Uh, so that's one area of the game that I'll certainly be watching when it comes to Daniel Gafford. And some teams have tried putting bigger players on Fred recently, actually, small forwards, uh, Casey, so KCP, Kyle Kuzma, for instance, those could be things that that does emerge for, for Fred. And uh, now with the Raptors, like they're still, I mean, they're still kind of trying to get their footing here in the Eastern Conference game by game. They've had two good defensive games in a row. And if you've been following this season, that has that's actually a pretty good thing because we have not seen that throughout this season and at any point really outside of um, a five-game stretch where Ken Birch was here. And Ken Birch is obviously not with us right now because uh, of his knee swelling and we don't really know when he's going to be returning. So going to be a challenge on, on Sunday against the Washington Wizards. Chase, thank you so much for joining me. You can find him at NBC Washington. You can follow his work. Much appreciated. Absolutely, man. Let's do it again sometime.